Welcome to the Semicolon Club podcast. Funny name, serious podcast. In each episode, we focus on topics relevant to those living with colon cancer. It is our goal to inspire and encourage you during your fight and to provide hope throughout your journey. The show is not just for patients, but for survivors, caregivers, family, and friends as you navigate this journey together. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast episode. I'm so, so thrilled to have with us today Kimberly Williams from the American Cancer Society. Kimberly and I have worked uh, together in this community to affect change for screening rates for colon cancer in our state for many, many years, and just so thankful for the partnership um, and the resources that American Cancer Society provides to cancer patients, not only in the state of Alabama, but throughout the nation. Kimberly, welcome. Hey, Jackie. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. And I would love for you, Kimberly, to tell us, um, to start with, tell the folks how you got into the role um, that you have there at ACS and tell us a little bit about what you do in that role. Okay. Um, not exactly sure where to even start with my life, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually became a part of the American Cancer Society, had not intended on working for a nonprofit. I actually graduated from the University of Alabama and received a degree in communications and was going the route of news and public affairs and was a TV producer at WBRC in Birmingham and then was fortunate to get on with Olympic soccer in Birmingham when the Olympic soccer matches were there. And I'm grateful to Gene Hallman and Dr. Lee Mack, who um, got me on board there. And then Dr. Lee Mack hired me at HealthSouth, and I worked there for a while. So I was in the, in the health system world there, but um, had my first child and was driving back and forth a pretty long distance to work every day and said, so knew I needed to do something different. And I was really led to the American Cancer Society because unfortunately I lost my only sibling. My brother died of cancer in 1991, just 15 weeks after being diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. So um, just, you know, there was a position available and I felt like I'm going to look into this and was very blessed to get on, on staff with the American Cancer Society. I'm very passionate about my work. I've been with the American Cancer Society now for 22 years. It was 22 years in December and have been in various different roles with the organization. I actually started with the organization on the fundraising side of our house doing income development. And like I said, um, have served in various different roles. But for the last eight years, I have worked with um, our cancer control side, health system side and working very closely on um, getting people educated on the importance of getting screened and um, more specifically working with federally qualified health centers the last seven years and working with providers to ensure that they're talking with their patients and making sure we're not missing opportunities on educating them on the screenings that they're needed and making sure they are getting screened. And just recently, um, my job's changed. I mean, I'm still in the same realm, but I'll be working more directly with state system based. So like the Alabama Department of Public Health, Alabama Medicaid, those type of entities, Alabama Primary Healthcare Association, which I have worked with for several years now as well. But um, 
Yes, very passionate. And to ask, to answer your initial question, I'm sorry for the long answer, but no, like no, that's it. wonderful. It's good to give some history. I, I'm just yes. very, very passionate about my work. Um, have lost several other loved ones to this awful disease since I've lost my brother. I've lost both of my grandfathers since I've lost my brother. I've lost my father-in-law, and of course, some very dear friends, and just ready to to have cancer diminished, ready to have cancer, you know, eliminated. Yes. Yes. And Kimberly, I did not know that about your brother. So all this time that I've worked with you and, and known you, um, I did not, um, I did not realize that you had lost your, your uh, sibling to this. Um, how old was he? If you don't mind me asking that. He was 22. He died on June. He died on June 15th of 1991. He was 22 and, um, mm-hmm. he would have been 22 three on July 15th. So I can say that, um, without a shadow of a doubt, I have seen firsthand the progress that has been made in cancer and specifically, you know, even with our organization and different resources that have become available even since 1991. So it really has been, um, rewarding, you know, to, to know firsthand and to see firsthand the progress that has been made. And, you know, when people wonder, you know, does my, does my donation really make an impact? Does my donation really make a difference? Absolutely. 100%. And in, in more ways than they realize. So you and I work uh, so much together on the colon cancer aspect of things um, here in the state, but working with American Cancer Society, I know you touch many different uh, cancers and the folks who listen to this podcast, while they may personally have been affected by colon cancer, we've all had family members um, that have been affected, unfortunately, by many, many different types of cancer. Um, Talk a little bit about screening and, and you don't really have to keep that just to colon cancer. Um, You know, I'd love for you to talk about uh, the importance of screening with the other types of uh, cancers that are out there. Um, so, you know, feel free to kind of t- take that, take that, uh, even encompass more than just colon cancer and, and talk about the need for screening and the things that you see there. Okay. Um, well, I can't go without starting off first and foremost, I feel like hopefully everyone knows, but, um, of course, March is colorectal cancer screening awareness month. And, you know, March is specific to colorectal cancer screening, but there are other months that are specific to other types of cancers, like October, of course, is breast, as a lot of people know. So, um, but yes, I mean, what, what we are attempting to do at the American Cancer Society very specifically this year is talking a whole lot about screening and trying to ensure that we get people back to screening. Yeah. Screening is always a priority, but more so this year than ever because of COVID-19. Unfortunately, the pandemic really has negatively impacted screening. And if we do not get people comfortable and getting back into their health system and getting the screening that they're needing, we are going to be seeing some very significant decreases, declines in screening rates, not just in Alabama, but throughout our entire nation. 
Yeah. So we were doing really well in regards to colon cancer screening. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, since 2012, we had been seeing steady increases from 2012 to 2019. But um, like I mentioned, I mean, if, if, if we do not have some significant pushes and some changes made here pretty quickly, yeah. we're, we're definitely going to see some declines in our rates come the end of this year, you know, for yes. 2020 and for yes. 2021. So um, we do have some cancer age and gender specific screening guidelines. And of course, anybody can access those at cancer.org. But what we would love for people to do is to get educated on, you know, where they are, you know, yeah. as like me as a female and for my age, I should be getting screened for colorectal cancer, I should be getting screened for pap with pap smear. I should be getting screened for mammography. You know, um, men that are my age, you know, should be including um, taking off pap smear and mammography, of right. course. But uh, well, and I say mammography, but for some men, they do have to have yeah. you know their some breast um, exams taking place, and um, but PSA, you know, for prostate cancer, so. Just depending on your age and your gender, there are very specific screenings that you should be having. And it's so important for you to educate yourself because there's nobody that can be a better advocate for you other than yourself. And, you know, um, unfortunately, especially now, more so than ever, I mean, our providers are just there's just so much on them. They're just, yes, yes. you know, if, if anybody has the opportunity to go into a system and just shadow what our healthcare workers deal with day in and day out, it, it is, it is unbelievable. You know, we are just so grateful to have individuals that are working in that field. But if, if you are going to a provider only when you're sick, mm-hmm. And especially if you don't have a regular provider. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that the only time they see a provider is when they're sick and they, they go to an urgent care and they're sure. Thank goodness we have urgent cares, yes, you know, yes. but I, from that provider's perspective, if they've never met you mm-hmm. and they don't know you, you know, they're, they're of course their top priority in that moment is to try and to make you feel better right. and to figure out what is wrong with you, you know, and they are, are so booked. They are trying to see so many patients, you know, it's not that they don't care if you're on top of your screenings or not, right. but it, in that moment, it might get missed, yeah. not purposefully, but just because there's a lot of other things that need to take place to ensure yes. that they, they get you on the, the path of hopefully being well again. So, you know, it's, it's up to you to um, take charge of your health and take some initiative, educate yourself. And then when you hopefully are making well checkups, you're not waiting to go to the provider just when you aren't feeling well, right? <laughs> you know, you're going for these well checkups and you're having those discussions with your provider to say, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't recall the last time I've had a mammogram. I, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I can tell you just recently, I called my GI specialist mm-hmm. um, doctor because I honestly thought I was due for colon screening this year. Right. And so I called and I said, hey, you know, I'm just calling. Can you remind me? And I actually am not due until February 2022, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so um, a lot of entities are great 
about sending out little postcards, yes. you know, little reminders. Uh huh. But I don't know about a lot of other people, but that might be something that gets stuck on my counter and yes. mixed in with a lot of other stuff and can be, you know, kind of forgotten about. So, exactly. Um, exactly. So hopefully you're getting the postcard reminder, but you know, right. you may not be getting the postcard reminder. Right. So, right. Um, you know, a lot of these screenings are annually, mm-hmm. but like with colon cancer screening, it, you know, it really depends on the test you choose. Yes. You right. know, the most important thing in regards to colon cancer screening is getting screened. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily matter which test you choose, just choose a test. That's right. Yeah. And if you choose to go the stool bags test option, which is a, a fit test and, uh-huh. um, you know, if, if it comes back negative, well, that is a test that you would have to do every year. Right. If you choose a colonoscopy option, and it comes back clear, you know, you may not have to have another colonoscopy for 10 years. Exactly. You know, if there's a polyp that shows up, then you may have to, most likely, will have to get screened again within three to five years, you know, most likely three. So it really does depend on the test option specifically to colon in regards to how often you need the screening. That's right. But, um, and then, and then the same, you know, and all of this information is available, like I said, through cancer.org. And it, it tells you like with, um, pap smear, for example, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people that are age eligible to get pap smears, they get screened annually, typically had been, mm-hmm. but our screening guidelines indicate that after a certain amount of time, you know, you can then continue to have pap smear every three years. Yes. You know, but again, these are conversations that, you know, it is very individualized and, um, you know, there, there may be a reason why your provider feels like you need to continue to do this annually, you know, so you just need, again, that an important, important thing is to educate yourself and to be having these conversations with your provider and hopefully you're um, a provider that you go to consistently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody like you said who knows your knows your background because because you're right. Urgent care is great when when there's an emergency and and something you know we need assistance right this moment. But even at urgent care, if you go twice a year, the chances are you're not going to see the same provider. That's right. And so it is critical to have. Um, to have, you know, that medical home, that primary care physician, that, that point of contact who, who follows you and knows that something, you know, you're, you're due for a particular screening or they can look at something and say, hey, you know, that, that raises a red flag. Your blood work showed this a year ago. Now it shows this, you know, let's, let's investigate that further. Um, so th- that is so critical. And, and thank you for sharing that resource. You said cancer.org is where they can go to look. Um, And I would encourage anyone listening to this, go out there and educate yourself prior to that visit with your primary care physician. Know what you're eligible for. Know what you should be um, looking to be recommended for. And and talk about that with your provider. Um, You know, in in a large city like Birmingham, you have so many different specialists and you may be seeing you know, you might see a dermatologist and an OBGYN and a primary care physician in addition to a GI doctor. But in rural parts of our state and and other parts of the country, 
it's a one-stop shop. And so um, I was, I, I was watching something um, last night talking about a physician. It was on the news. It was talking about this physician in Indianola, Mississippi. And this provider, she does everything from, as they say, from cradle to grave. She does OB, she delivers babies, all the way to taking care of folks on hospice because in this little town in Mississippi, it was 88 miles one way to get to the next facility that offered OB services. Wow. So for all you ladies out there who've had a baby, 88 miles is a long drive when you're in labor. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I bet she is even administering HPV vaccinations too to, oh, I'm sure. to adolescents yeah. that are, you know, Yes, she's, yeah, she's, I mean, she's doing everything. And I don't think we realize how much because we live, you know, here in, in, in what is a larger metropolitan, you know, medical community. You sometimes don't think there's a lot of places in our, especially in the southeast, but really all all throughout the country, you have these rural areas. And so even much more educate yourself because that provider they're overwhelmed, Absolutely. like, you know, not that they would miss something on purpose, but they may not realize that, oh, you know what, you have a family history of breast cancer or colon or whatever it might be, um, you know, be your own advocate. I, I, I love that. Just just be your own advocate and and use those resources that are out there to educate yourself. So um, thank thank you for sharing that, Kimberly. Absolutely. And, and you just um, mentioned something else, too, as far as the family history. You know, if if you um, if you don't have a, it's important, I feel, in order to receive the best possible care to have a relationship with your healthcare provider, you know, and when you have a relationship, you know, they know you by name. Mm -hmm. There's conversations that take place that will perhaps even identify something that, you know, you didn't you wouldn't have known, oh, wow, that was probably an important piece of information for them to know to make sure that I remain healthy. Exactly. Um, Because there's things that can help happen, you know, with um, your parents or your grandparents or even your siblings that definitely can be an indicator or, you know, kind of a marking on your your chart to just keep an eye on, you know, to to keep that in in the back of our mind that, hey, you know, this is something that we need to make sure that we stay on top of, you know, exactly. not to be concerned exactly. of necessarily, but just to, to stay on top of because it is exactly. part of your family history. No, that's that that's very, very important. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit with us about the resources um, that American Cancer Society offers, um, you know, whether it be lodging or uh, food or gas transfer, you know, there's so many resources and let us know what you guys offer, but also if if you know any other resources or or things that folks should check into as they're going through the the cancer treatment journey. Absolutely. Well, the, the first thing I think is important to share is a lot of times, and, you know, unfortunately when people get diagnosed with cancer, they, they just, a lot of, a lot of people often think that the American Cancer Society just knows that information. Like when someone gets yes. diagnosed, they just think how, you know, somehow or another, 
you know, we know in, in a lot, in some instances we do, you know, in some instances yeah. there is a conversation with the patient and the health system, you know, has a referral because yeah. the, the patient has said, yes, it's fine to, to share, you know, and then yeah. the yeah. referral is made to us. And then in that instance, you know, we can reach out to the patient, you know, directly and yeah. see how we can offer um, resources and or support. But unless we are told that mm-hmm. an individual has been diagnosed with cancer, you know, we, we will not know. And so exactly. um, there are individuals that would prefer for people not to know. And, you know, yes. everyone has their reasonings and absolutely respect and understand that. So for those individuals that would rather not be referred to our organization, it's so important for them to be aware of, like I've mentioned, cancer.org. Um, yes. That is our website and it will give you absolutely anything that you probably could ever imagine thinking about in regards to cancer. It's specific to cancers. It tells you um, for individuals that get diagnosed with a specific type of cancer, it even goes as far as giving you questions that you can ask your provider when you go in in regard, it gives statistics, it gives treatment options, gives you everything that you could imagine. Um, we also have a 1-800 number that's available 24-7. It's our cancer helpline, and that is 1-800-227-2345, 1-800-227-2345. So you can call that number 24-7 and actually speak to a cancer specialist. But um, we also have a lot of different resources. and. Um, Currently, our resources may look a little bit different because, unfortunately, Mm -hmm, our organization, like every organization in this country and throughout this world, has been um, impacted by the pandemic. And so, um, you know, one of the things that has become available since my brother was diagnosed back in 1991 is our beautiful Hope Lodge in Birmingham, Alabama. And it's one of many Hope Lodges throughout the nation. But unfortunately, right now it is closed due to... COVID, but um, we are very, very hopeful that it will open its doors back up in 2021. I'm I'm sorry that I can't give an exact date or anything like that, but um, we remain hopeful that the doors will open back up in 2021. And the Hope Lodge is available to any patients that are undergoing active treatment that live 40 miles or more outside the Birmingham metro area. And they are able to stay at our Hope Lodge free with a caregiver. And we have um, transportation back and forth to the different facilities in the Birmingham area. Um, There are other lodging options. And so what I would encourage anybody that is needing to know about that, they definitely should, everyone should, have a social worker or um, maybe called a patient navigator that works directly with them within the entity in which they are being seen and treated within. I would definitely have conversations with your social worker if there is a need for lodging because there are still different resources that are available even in the the meantime with our Hope Lodge not having, unfortunately, being able to have our doors open. Um, But, you know, we are very fortunate as an organization to collaborate with a lot of wonderful partners. You know, we do have partnerships with um, with hotel partners and we do have 
wonderful um, companies and individuals that are always wanting to know how they can help. And so the key is communication, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I, I want, I would love to say that every need that is, uh, is shared is, is able to be met, but you know, I, th- that would not be truthful, unfortunately, because right. especially right now in the midst of the pandemic, but I can give you my word <laughs> that every need that is, is presented to us, we work together with multiple collaborators and do yes. our best to try and have that need met. And, yes. um, Jackie and I could probably have a whole nother podcast on, <laughs> on these right? that have been shared with us that, um, yes. we would have liked to have seen met in a more timely fashion, but yes. through those opportunities, new collaborations and new partnerships form. And, you know, um, I still feel that even though things, people might have in mind that, you know, I I need this done right now. Um, you know, it might not happen by this week, but there are things that happen that definitely you're like, wow, that would have never even transpired had we not had this conversation about it. So, um, I mean, of course, I could give an example if you wanted me to go into it, but... Um, Which one? There's so many. I know, I know. I mean, we do have... Um, I will give a, a brief example. Yeah. You know, we, we have had patients through our federally qualified health centers that, you know, are, are uninsured. And yeah. they, you know, we... Our, our providers have done a great job in educating on the importance of screening and these patients do get fit tests. And there are times that these fit tests come back positive and they can't afford a colonoscopy. And, you know, there are just so many guidelines in place in every different angle that you go in. And, you know, but you, you do, you just have to reach out to a lot of different people and just have a lot of different conversations and, Again, you know, when you, you know that a patient is in need of a colonoscopy right now, you know, you would love yes. to say, yes. okay, we can get this done by the end of the week. Unfortunately, we have seen that it hadn't happened by the end of the week, but there, right. there have been things that have transpired from those conversations. And oftentimes we are able to have that need met. And right. when we have right. that need met, we're talking about lives being saved. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, that is the bottom yes, one. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and I, I, I do share that because they're very, very well, maybe somebody listening today that is unaware that that is an enormous need in our state, quite frankly, throughout the nation, no. but specifically in Alabama, it is an enormous need in our state to find resources for uninsured patients that have positive yeah. fit tests and need colonoscopy. And so yeah. if there's somebody listening today that, right, that I know <laughs> about joining us in this, this, um, this fight yes. to save lives, yes. please, please, please reach out to Jackie, reach, or out. reach out to yes. me. We yes. would love to have a conversation with you and see how you would like to get yeah. on board and help us help us meet this need because it is definitely an enormous need. Thanks so much for joining us today for the semicolon club podcast. 
See you next time.